Well, hello there, babes, and welcome back to another episode of Your Place or Mine, the podcast that covers self-love pep talks, steamy stories, and the ridiculous dating life that happens here in Toronto. I'm your host, Jesse Olson. All right, babes, I have another sexy and hilarious guest joining me here in the Babe Cave tonight. This is another absolutely hilarious comedian I have had the pleasure of sharing the stage with. We first met at a very interesting, very interesting gig. Uh, But because it was so interesting, we bonded. Yes. As happens, you find yourself at an event where uh, someone gets arrested, someone is on the floor, uh, some random 65-year-old tells me he can fuck like a 12-year-old. That shit was... What? I'm like, I'm sorry. You, like, fuck like a 12-year-old? That There's just so many things... Yeah, it was a weird night. I don't know. Uh, and it really, I think, started us off on the right foot. So. <laughs> Clicked immediately. Love Jesse immediately. So funny. Such great vibes. We're just kind of like turning around like, you know, various like asteroids hitting the earth as we're just like, huh. that's curious that. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's Toronto hmm. comedy and that's what we're going to talk about about today. Yeah. So <laughs> I would like to officially welcome to the show, Carrie Johnson. Hello. Carrie, how are you doing? Doing great. Feeling good. So happy to be here. Fuck I've got yeah. my wine. I've got my various mixed snacks. snacks. It's amazing. <laughs> we had to get Carrie some snacks because she was going to get too drunk. And I demanded <laughs> five different types of coated peanuts, okay? <laughs> I want nothing less than that. There must be white chocolate. There must be yogurt. <laughs> Now, and I've got it so I can speak to you now. See, she's the classy bitch. <laughs> so okay. if you are not connected with Carrie, you can find her on Instagram at Carrie G.E. Johnson. That is K-A-R-I-G-E-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. You got it. You got it. Got you got it. it. Uh, Carrie's super funny. <laughs> Again, we met in... What month was it? I feel like it was September. September. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just super vibed. Uh, spent the night just spilling tea and taking mm-hmm. names. And it was a good start. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell the babies a bit about your journey into the world of comedy? Who is Carrie Johnson? Yeah. So I started comedy in Ireland, which is really weird. It wasn't one of those situations where I had thought of doing comedy for years. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll pluck up the courage. Like, I was randomly forced into this position of being... <laughs> that sounded so sexual. Okay. I was forced into a position. <laughs> what kind of position? <laughs> Upstairs? Downstairs? Um... Yeah, so I was uh, volunteering at a fringe festival in Ireland, and there was this whole crazy situation where I was literally just a volunteer. All of a sudden, I was the comedy coordinator, and I was working so hard, and people were like, oh my gosh, you should just like go up on stage. And I was just sort of like, like with you? Like, you want me to come up like as a prop for your bit? I was like, obviously, you don't mean I should be a comedian. Yeah. And then... One thing led to the next. I started doing comedy in Ireland. It was so fun. Had a blast. Met so many people. It was such an interesting place to start comedy because it's like you're such a fish out of water. And so like a lot of my material was about like how Irish people just loved my very vaguely, in their words, vaguely ethnic look. And so that was like a big seed for my comedy there. But anyway, I spent, yeah, a full year there. Got on a few festivals. Had so much fun. 
got kicked out of the country when the visa ended. I literally stayed till like two days after um, and re-entered the country illegally. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah. (laughs) Whole other fun story. Came back to the U.S., went to Seattle and then Chicago and then lockdown hit and my partner got into school in Toronto and um, I was just like, you know what? Let's fucking see how they do it in Canada. Like, why not? Yes. Like, it was kind of like one of those, like, what do I have to lose moments where, like, I yeah. hadn't had the chance to build up any kind of, like, traction in Chicago. And it's a great place to do comedy, but I was just kind of like, why not try another spot? Toronto seems to have a great scene. Might be a cool place to check out before going to another big city like New York. And so far, it's been fucking awesome. I've met a lot of great people, and that's why I'm just randomly here. A lot of people are like, why are you here? I'm just like, (laughs) bitch, like, I'm just partying, like, whatever. Yeah. Hop on or hop off, okay? Yeah, I'm fucking here. I'm ready to hop on (laughs) the Carrie Johnson train. Yeah. So when, okay, so when did you move to Toronto officially? August of okay. uh, 2021. So okay, awesome. Only like six months ago. So what was like, and it's, it's funny, I've had a couple people on the show recently who have moved here from other places. A lot of it's just like either other provinces or other places in Ontario. Yes. But what was it like coming here from the States and like your first couple of comedy shows? Like how did you integrate yourself into the industry? Yeah, okay. Well, I found it pretty accessible compared to like Chicago where it's just such a massive community. Like the community in Chicago is probably like four times the size of of, of Toronto. Um, so I found it very accessible in that way. Um, I thought too, it was just Toronto. It felt like, I don't know. It was almost like, like everyone was so pent up from being in lockdown. So for so long that like the shows were a lot of fun because I feel like everybody was just like ready to be out and ready to party. And so there were some like differences in the reception of like some material, like some of like my commentary on, on race and being mixed race, some of that material, like the material that was like my closer in Chicago did like shaky here, which again, mm-hmm. we can go into it a little later of like my theories upon why that might yeah. be the case. Um, but overall really great. Um, I just, everybody was super friendly to me. I feel like I did really well on most of the shows that I did and yeah, just great vibes all around. It kind of was just like coming in, when, like, everybody was, like, like, coming in in August, like, everybody was, like, the drunkest at a party. Like, everybody <laughs> last summer was just sort of, like, woo, like, join us. It was, like, the yeah. part of, like, the sloppy but still fun part of the party yeah. where it's easy to make friends, where people will still remember you. They're not so drunk that they're not going to remember you. Well, it's interesting because I, like, I came into the comedy world in Toronto in August. Yeah. Really, oh like, gosh, end of yeah. August. Um, and obviously I'd been going to shows for a very, very long time, but that was like when I first stepped on stage after I'd done my course and it was like the industry was fucking drunk on excitement because people had just been cooped up for so long and it was so fucking exciting that there was all these shows happening and there was so much good energy at shows and it was intoxicating. Like there was a lot, and a lot of really great mics that were just like such fucking great energy because people are just so stoked to be back on stage doing what they love. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, a hundred percent. I totally get that. Yeah. So when you first moved here, was it like, how how did you start booking? I think this would be helpful if anyone else moves to Toronto. Like, did you just start reaching out to producers? Did you post in groups? Like, how did you oh get gosh. that started? Well, it was hard at first because it wasn't clear, like, what open how? mics were. Yeah, exactly. And no, like, nobody teaches you how. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. No, either. and, like, unfortunately, and, I mean, people say this about, like, Canadian comics of, like, oh, people kind of, like, want to keep that information to themselves. I'm like, I feel like that's true everywhere, though. Yeah. Like, people are, are inherently skeptical when you first enter a, a scene. They're like, well... 
Are you like funny enough to be yeah. at this open mic yeah. at Can you please 10:30? Show me the dues you've paid. Do you have your receipts, please? Right, exactly. I'm just sort of like yeah. I've, I've never seen you before. <laughs> They're like, I've had three PBRs and done a yeah. rape joke. Prove yourself. And you're like, bitch. There's <laughs> like all of these male comedians who were just the Regina George of the Toronto comedy scene. I just want to put a blonde wig on all the toxic <laughs> No, but you know what? They, they wouldn't deserve that because then it would look like they're doing the toxic music video for Britney Spears. Yeah. So actually, you don't even no. get the blonde wig. <laughs> I don't know what you get. I'll figure no. it out. No. Um, no, it was hard. So like I joined the comedy Toronto. There's like five different Facebook groups that you can join. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out like what mics were going on because I do think like going to mics, doing your set, like doing some of like maybe your best material just so that you can actually, I mean, you do want to show people you're like, okay, I do know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, like eventually you want to step away from that, but you're new. And so it's just good to get that going so that people start to think like, okay, then that person actually does have a set. So we should book her. Yeah. So... I joined a group. I asked a couple people like, oh, hey, is there a list for open mics? And I remember just like somebody responding and just literally saying no. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) amazing. Thanks so much for (laughs) Thank you so much. Love that. Uh, So, but, you know, it's like you go to one mic, you meet a person, that person tells you to go to another mic, you go to those mics, and then you slowly but surely kind of build that network. And then you find out about such and, you know, so-and-so's shows. I started meeting other people, going to Comedy Bar, which is an amazing space, and then, like, via going that, getting on that show. So it's kind of like, you know, a tumbleweed of comedy where, like, the more people you meet, the more you get up, the more places you perform in, the more likely it is that somebody will be like, hey, like, do you want to jump on my show next month? And then before you know it, you have, like, somewhat of a network of of shows and people who want to book you which yeah and I'm still like obviously I've only been here for six months there's so many people I don't know that are like you know yeah incredible comedians I've yet to meet but but yeah so yeah I think it's interesting like coming into the world of Toronto comedy there there's no nobody will tell you what to do like there it is and I get (laughs) it like stand-up comedy is very much like a solo game in uh-huh. a lot of ways, and I think there is this weird, like, that's my mic. Like, uh, it's yeah. like uh, you don't want to necessarily tell everyone how to get to the mic because you want to keep the mic inclusive of cool, good people. And it is yeah. just, like, it's weird drama yeah. that I-, I had an interesting time navigating, and it was, like, there was just every once in a while one person would be like, oh, and they'd give you one piece of advice. And it's mm. like, okay, cool. And then I would take that and be like, okay, now mm. this is what to do. And it really just came down to, like, Go to mics, talk to people, and be friendly. Yeah, and like people are gonna tell you what to do, and yeah, then you just right, figure right. it the fuck out yeah. on your own. Yeah, like, that's really what it came down to. What did you find there was like big differences with comedy scenes in other places you've lived than the comedy scene here in Toronto? Hmm. Um. Well, I would say that like overall, there are more high quality mics here than in mm. Chicago. So like cool. in Chicago, you could get up like six times a night, but like five out of six of them might be like literally somebody's like back kitchen sink corner where like you know like the dishwasher is running and for some reason there's a microphone there and for right. some reason at 10 30 at night they've decided to have an open mic you know like right. like literally like unfathomably bad open mics like I feel like I'll meet people here occasionally where we'll be at you know a subpar mic that might be a late night mic I feel like most late night mics can be kind of iffy yeah and they'll be like oh you know it's just whatever like can't you know not all mics are great and I'm like there are actually people here like I've been to mics where it's like there's one person there 
they like don't even like acknowledge me. I, I end up doing like three minutes of material to no one for some reason. Like, yeah. And so I would say, yeah, like there are more mics where it's just like it's a supportive community. Comedians seem a little more likely to stay for the um, for other comedian sets and everything and that also might be partially like okay like after the pandemic we're just a little bit more supportive people have maybe less of a chip on their shoulders because you know millions of people just died so maybe I can just stay and support my friends um open mic set and I feel like that's really nice because I, I would rather just go to like one quality open mic that I can really get something out of than go to like the five different shitty open mics where I'm just yeah. gonna feel demoralized and wonder what the fuck I'm doing and why I'm there yeah <laughs> you know yeah and I completely agree I think there's some like really fucking incredible high caliber mics here in the city and like yeah obviously I'll shout out nothing fancy like their yes. mic is amazing the mics at tall boys are so good mm-hmm. it's just like there are such great quality mics and I've been to shitty quality mics yes. too and it is a very different experience mm-hmm. and I think there is uh especially at places like nothing fancy there it is like a, a community of people who always yes. come back and they'll like give you notes on your sets and stuff and they want to stay and hang out and it is like it's an interesting community of people that want to see people succeed which is really cool yes and And then there are mics and rooms where that doesn't seem to be the case and that's always going to be the case and I remember the first mic I went to before I got into being on stage yeah um I was on a date in the east end and I we went we ended up going to a comedy show we like went for dinner somewhere and then went to a comedy show and it was great Mm -hmm. um it was a fucking incredible end. I can't remember who was on it now, but it was a bunch of people I hadn't seen before. It was a really, really good show. And they ended up having a mic after. So we cool. stayed because I was like, fuck it. Like, we're having a good time. Let's have another Me drink. Well. And we stayed. And we were the only one. <laughs> okay. So we're the audience. Ooh, Me and this You new should get guy. a badge for that. Every single person that's gone through this experience should get a badge. Maybe like participation trophy. Yeah. Like, not your son at soccer practice. Like, the people who have stuck yeah. around for these fucking open mic disasters and I didn't realize it was a mix (laughs) of comedy and music and Mm. there was only four people who came to perform at the mic oh dear so it was me on this first date with someone (laughs) awkwardly listening to one person talk (laughs) at us I love it that's so (laughs) funny and like we couldn't keep talking obviously because now it's this is going on and so in between sets we'd be like okay this is a weird vibe but then there's only a few more people so I felt bad leaving so we stayed we ended up staying way later than I wanted to and this one guy got up and ended up like serenading us (laughs) like okay well because Uh, to them you are literally a deity yeah like literally (laughs) they love you more than their own mother in that moment like for sure yeah and I found it really interesting the first mic that I did was at nothing fancy okay and it was very much like normally when I go to a mic at nothing fancy everyone's trying brand new material that they've wrote on the way over that's very much the vibe of that which is super cool yeah because I end up getting to see comedians who I fucking love who've like been on tv and shit yeah like go on right after me and like tell incredible shit that they just thought of like it's amazing so fucking cool yeah but then I'm gonna get up and do a set I've been working on for weeks Mm -hmm. and it was like when I first went up I did a set I've just been workshopping for six weeks through this comedy course oh yeah it was like I was so nervous because uh-huh. everyone on the list was like a comedian I'd seen on stage before. Yeah. But then it was so fucking cool that I got to do, try my comedy for the first time surrounded by all these people that I admired. It was yeah. so fucking cool. And I was like, yeah, this is the right thing I'm and supposed you're like, to be doing right now. Of course. And Which you're is like, awesome. Oh. And my set went great. I was like, amazing. Yeah, was and you're workshopping it all like together, right? Yeah. And it's amazing that you got such a good experience too for your first open mic because yeah. like, 
it can be kind of it like can make or break. Oh, of course. Totally. And it, and they can be so startlingly awful that yeah. like if that was a bad experience. Startlingly awful. Yeah. I love that yeah. phrase. And She's it's like, so on point. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Shocking. I had no idea that this was like a meeting for incels right now so instead of comedians workshopping material. I so mean, that's a good uh, segue into the next part of this conversation. Yes. So, Carrie and I, since we first connected at, um, we first saw each other at a show at Bar Cathedral. Shout out Bar Cathedral. Adam, you're Woo. great. Um, and there was some hiccups at that show. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really did open up a, a really great dialogue, I think, between the two of us about who are some comedians to kind of watch out for, yeah. who's cool, and really did like open up the conversation about toxicity in the industry. Yeah. And there's a lot of it. I think of that's course. the case in, in any city. Um, but it's it's been interesting to navigate. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of like where, like what you see when you've started exploring. Obviously, we, you've done shows in different places than I have, and we've been in different rooms. And the toxicity in the scene is a problem. Yes. And being women in it, um, that impacts you in different ways. So as you started to experience some of this, like how did that impact you, your comedy, mm-hmm. your energy at these shows? Tell the babes a little bit about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it dampens your energy to an extent, obviously. Like you don't really want to socialize with people who like just went on stage and like talked about like fucking um, someone's quote unquote Mexican grandmother or something really wildly disgusting and crazy. Um, And so I think what I try to do if I get to a show and just like, you know, just realize you look around and you're like, oh, (laughs) I, I like this type of person's here. This type of material has just been said. You just like, you try to be really professional and polite. You still thank the producer for bringing you on and you do your shit. And then you just, like, like any show, you can decide how much time you want to spend there. Like, the show where we met, Jesse, I spent a lot of time there because you were hanging out there, right? Yeah. It was, and we also, all night. Yeah, right? And and for some reason, too, we didn't actually see these awful, crazy things happen. Like, we went outside, we shared a laugh, <laughs> had a smoke, went back in. Everyone was like, this one person was arrested. We're like, the fuck? Like, we just were. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's like some shows, it's just literally, it's, it's much more like cut and dry. I'm just like, I don't want to be here. I'm just going to finish my set I'm gonna leave whatever um I think initially getting into comedy getting back into comedy out of the pandemic I took it a year and a half off like a lot of comics did I think I was really discouraged by all of the news around um various like club owners in Seattle or Chicago or places in Ireland where I performed at where the owner or manager happens to be a racist or a rapist or a just some yeah. something right yeah. and you're just like woohoo yeah. <laughs> um and just like how the this time away from comedy like the big pause that everybody took could have been a time of reckoning for all these people and then it just didn't seem like it was and so for a time I felt really like well what the fuck am I doing spending all my time in this industry it's just so disgusting and toxic and it's it's toxic in Toronto but it's toxic like just the comedy community the entertainment community in general is just very toxic right um 
And then I realized, like, no, like, I should absolutely be here and I should take up as much space as possible <laughs> because, like, I should let other people know that, like, this is also a comedian and this is also what can be comedy because, unfortunately, up until, you know, the 90s, there were very few, com- like, female comedians. A lot of female comedians weren't even allowed in some clubs. And for a lot of people growing up watching stand-up, of course, what they're going to think of is just, is, like, George Carlin and Bill Hicks, great comedians. But again, it's just like, that's what they think of. Like, they're not going to now. Maybe they'll think of Ali Wong and Amy Schumer and all these other amazing comedians, too. And I think just like being like, no, 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 we're here, too. We should be here. We should be here more than you should be here. Um, We should be paid. We should get to do this professionally and all this stuff that now I'm like, no, this is still my goal. This is still what fuels me. And I think when I remind myself of that, it's a lot easier to just sort of let it be like water off a duck's back when I do accidentally encounter these people. Because yeah, being new in a scene, I'm not going to necessarily predict that some random fucker is going to walk up to a producer and be like, you're a fucking bitch or which I've heard people do. And I'm just like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to take a little like screenshot in my brain of that person and just make sure that I'm aware that they're an awful person. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and it's interesting. I think for me, pre pandemic, most, because again, I've been going to comedy shows for a long time, and I have been very lucky, and maybe it is, again, the company I keep, where most of the comedy shows I go to were filled with really great comedians who told really funny jokes, and yeah. it didn't happen to offend the crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, like, because they were very, like, queer-inclusive, woman-positive, yes. <laughs> like, yes. comedy shows that are just, like, meant to make people laugh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. I was under the impression that that's what we were doing here. <laughs> so... I think when the pandemic hit and obviously we couldn't go to comedy shows, we couldn't go to fucking anything anymore and that was hard. And I think when comedy, some outdoor comedy started to come back uh, in the first summer, so summer 2020, I was so fucking stoked. And I was just, I was so excited to see people tell jokes again and I I just, I'd missed it so much and it does bring me such joy. So I started getting really pumped. There was these people who I didn't know who were running shows in the city and parks and I was like, fuck yeah. And I brought people with me every time. I bring like six friends to these shows. And there was a bunch of comedians who I knew who were on them and it was fucking great. And then the first one that I went to, one guy went on and he was a piece of shit. And I was like, oh, mm. fuck. And like opened with a really fat, shamey joke. And oh. I was like, oh. oh. I'm like, that's yeah. gross. Oh. So that was disappointing. But I was like, whatever. It's one idiot. Yeah. And then I went back the next week to the same show. And I'm not going to name whose show it is. But it's the show that was running in Christie Pitts. You know who the fuck it is. Okay. But yes. um, the next show, it was like there was three comedians who were pieces of shit. And someone was really mm. transphobic. And someone was really homophobic. And someone was really misogynistic. Yay. And it's like. One guy got, like, booed a whole bunch and then just kept going. And and then I was like, okay. So then I went back a third week. Because I'm, like, there was a couple people on that next show who I really love. And I was like, You're really giving this a chance. I was trying so hard. Really giving everyone the benefit of the doubt here. So I went the third time. And the same guy, he did a lot of really, like, really offensive jokes. I had reached out to the person running shows being like, look, I love that you're running comedy shows. Like, I want to come and do this. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you keep booking people who the crowd obviously doesn't like because they're making us feel like shit, I don't want to keep coming. And obviously the guy didn't really care and kept booking it. And so I stopped going. And whatever. Mm. Me and my friends stopped coming to this one outdoor free comedy show. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, that sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I love comedy and I want more people to go to comedy shows and I think it's this incredible art form that brings so much joy yeah but 
it suddenly being used as like a weapon mm-hmm. was really fucking shitty. Mm. And th- then I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't actually understand this industry at all. And mm. when I started getting into it, it was like, okay. And there there have been times where I've been at a show and men have been assholes. And it's like, fuck, I don't, I don't want to be here. And, like, yeah. especially if I've paid money for a show and there's a comedian on stage making me feel bad about myself, like, fuck I want that. that particular comedian to give me my money back. Like, 100%. That's fucked. And yeah. that, I, I know you had mentioned this before, it's like, there is a piece of me that was like, I don't want to be here. Like, this, maybe this isn't my community. Like, may, maybe there isn't room for me here because I'm so not cool with this. But upon thinking about it, it's like, no, no, like we mm-hmm. have to be here. Mm-hmm. And I am feeling very empowered. And that's why I'm producing yes. my own comedy shows now yeah. that are being really loud about the fact that like, I'm not going to tolerate that shit mm-hmm. because there's always going to be rooms that are cool with it. There's always going to be comics who think it's really funny to tell those kind of jokes. And I'm not on a mission to get rid of them. I'm just not going to associate with them. And I'm, I am on a mission to run more comedy shows that people yeah. can come to yeah. and have a fucking great time, not leave feeling shitty about themselves, leave feeling like they love comedy and they want to go to more comedy. Right, right. So where I'm at is I'm trying to figure out <laughs> why it's men. It's almost always men, of course feel that like this like subversive alternative humor like what why why is it okay (laughs) and is is Mm. it just because there's there's this group of men who all support each other and they all find each other funny and that's how I, I talk about how it's just like a circle jerk of all these assholes yeah that is truly what it is I mean yeah. it's just like everybody yeah they go to the same spaces they hang out together they support each other they talk shit about everybody else is an asshole everybody else isn't funny they're the only funny people ever yeah yeah. And I just, I'm trying to figure out where we go next. Because mm-hmm. I think I'm going to keep running shows that are super inclusive mm-hmm. and really try and like do better mm-hmm. for Toronto comedy. Because I think one of my main missions is to try and get more people to comedy shows who've never been to a comedy show before. Yeah. Because it is like an untapped market. And uh-huh. like part of it for the future of my business. Like, yes. yeah, I want yes. all of these people to start coming to comedy shows and like pay me to do it. And then I can pay all these comics to do it who are fucking great. Yeah. And I want to yeah. get to a point where we can just like drown out mm-hmm. all of the shitty assholes. Right, <laughs> by right. By being louder about the really good stuff. And then those people where, like, your comedy show is the first comedy show they've been to, maybe they'll just only see those types of shows. And then let's say three years into seeing shows, they accidentally see, like, you know, the Circle Jerk show. And they're like, what the fuck is this? Then yeah. that becomes confusing to them. And they're like, yeah. why would I ever want to see that? Yeah, I mean, I like, you, you're just asking, like, why do men, so many, I mean, again, mostly men, think that this is okay? And, I mean... I think that for a lot of men, the idea of a show that is a safe space is an inherent threat to them because like there's sort of like the venomous snake of the yeah. patriarchy, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally. And they are immune to its venom and they yeah. are never affected by it and also then therefore are never thinking about it, right? Yeah. And so the thought of them ever getting to not say something, even though they just thought of it, and they're like, well, I want to just fart words out of my mouth. (laughs) Why can't I fart? (laughs) I just want to fart. And you're just like... Why can't I fart? (laughs) Men, questions (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Um, And it's just like, well, because luckily, we're sort of slowly but surely getting into a, a place where, like, women are taking up more space 
everywhere. And now there really is no excuse for not booking a female director on a movie or a female engineer because way back when women were not really allowed to go to school or work. Not really. They weren't. They just weren't. Right. And so now, though, because of it's a few generations after that, we're a point we're at a point where all women luckily have the chance to get educated and work and have all these opportunities. So you really have no excuse to not hire book or put them on. But now that men see that, that's an, an absolute humongous red flag for them. They're just sort of like, what? I can't just be here saying whatever I want and you'll laugh. And so I think like a lot of times the argument for men is that like, well, like funny is funny and I should just get to say whatever I want. And, um, you know, you're ruining comedy. I hear that it's ruining comedy, like safe spaces. That's not what it's all about. I'm like, that's not what it's been about for a lot of these entertainers who, um, hello, we're finding out through the Me Too movement. We're all like rapists. Like, yep. Sorry. Like Bill Cosby. Yeah. Talented comedian, monster of a person. Yep. So it's just like kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, so it turns out we're evolving and <laughs> you have to kind of get on board yeah. or not. Yeah. And I think we, we've talked about this a little bit, but how people are going to be less and less tolerant of people like that. And even now at a corporate show, like let's say if you went to do, if Google hired you to do a show, you wouldn't be able to do a rape joke or totally. like do something in a, let's say like a horrifically offensive accent or anything like that. And so a lot of these people that are quote unquote trying to be professional stand-up comedians, I'm like there ain't nothing professional about the shit that you're doing. Nobody wants that now. Yeah. And And that's why I don't understand how they can go to, so we'll use uh, Film Cafe as an example. Mm. So Film Cafe is a little bar, little bar restaurant in Kensington. And I've been to a couple of mics there and there is a mic they run that is um, marketed as a female forward mic. And it's supposed to be like no homophobic, racist, misogynistic, domestic abuse jokes, blah, blah, blah. And in theory, fucking great. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, let's have way more woman forward comedy shows. Mm Mm-hmm. Always here for that. But if you put rules in place like that, you have to enforce them. Yeah. And that's like, I I have like, you look at the branding for my comedy shows, it does say like straight up, like we do not tolerate this, 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 and this. And that Mm -hmm. means if someone gets on stage and says something like that, I will not tolerate it, which means they get off stage. So if you want to promote something like that, cool. But you can't, like I was just having this conversation the other day about, uh, actually it was a recent article in Now Magazine. Mm. So I, I did Now Magazine's Love Your Body issue last year. So that's like the huge naked picture of me in the front hallway yeah. is mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. photo shoot, which is really cool. This year they didn't do the same thing. So they didn't do the naked photo shoot like they normally do. They talked about body positivity and how it can be used as, uh, or like self-love as a marketing tactic and not as yeah. like a value and a virtue. Yeah. And I think that is where things are getting complicated, where it's like, I'm not running shows and saying that they're a safe space and that they're all inclusive just because I want to get people to come to the shows. I'm doing it because it's something that's really important to me. And I I want to believe that we could run really great comedy shows without making people feel like hot garbage. And that doesn't feel groundbreaking to me. That no. yeah. just feels like being a good human. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why there are some of these mics and things like this where that's like mentioned, but then guys will come on and they'll do a set and they'll fucking open with a rape joke and then they're allowed to come back the next week. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, and it feels it obviously extremely like disingenuous at best and just like an outright lie at worst, right? And obviously it's like, 
I understand confrontation is hard for people, but listen, like misogyny is confrontational. Yeah. You not being like you being told that like, oh, like you're just a fresh piece of meat as a comedian. Like I've been told that before. Like I went to when I was in Chicago and I got there, like a guy literally was just sort of like, oh, yeah, like people just see you as fresh meat. Like it's just like that is a confrontation and that's something that I have to deal with. So then why shouldn't you have to be confronted with the fact that your material is problematic? Right. Yeah. And um, and, and yeah, I think that it absolutely is a marketing tactic. I think like totally. anything under the vein of like self-care or something that might be piggybacking off of some type of like. Um, movement like a movement towards like body positivity towards like women being in power towards yeah like like the boss babe whatever etc thing that you can think of and it's just you then as you said you go to these spaces and you're just sort of like oh like I went to a mic where I saw that on their poster assuming then that like oh yeah there's gonna be like all these women there it's gonna be so fun it was actually one of the first mics I went to so Mm. this was like very jarring and it was all dudes. Mm-hmm. There's literally a host on stage. Probably ended up doing like an hour in between each comic set, which if you're not a comedian, that's an atrocious amount of time to take up if yeah. you're a host. And was just shouting into the winds that he wanted to fuck a Jewish girl, which sorry, like excuse my whatever, but I'm just no, like yeah, no. all this, all this shit. And they're all these guys were just like doing the same type of material over and over again. And yet on the poster, it says like, Oh no misogyny, no whatever. And I really think that they had to do that because they were getting complaints. It wasn't like they were starting off the mic with that intention of like, Oh, we'll be a safe space. It was that like, they probably were getting complaints from the owner being like, um, paying customers. So not you fuckers were (laughs) leaving on account of the shit you were saying. Yeah. And so it was actually just like a literally a reminder, not yeah. like a, um, a precedence to set. Yeah. And if so, I, the guy who runs the one particular mic I'm talking about, he's not listening because he's obviously not listening to my podcast. But I just want to I want to say like, I'm not trying to be shitty. Like, I don't have anything against him as a person. I appreciate the intention of wanting to do more mics and attracting more women to come to mics. Because I do think having more women on stage and having more women in the crowd is not mm-hmm. a bad thing. But again, it's just like, if you want to do it, do it. Like, hold right. yourself to it. And I did, like, I spoke up after the first mic that I went to when I was, like, sitting in the crowd and a guy, like, people are opening with super misogynistic garbage. Yeah. And it's like, I did say, I'm like, hey, like, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but the problem is, like, you're going to let these people come back. And I know they're your friends and I know they're your buddies and I get that. I understand there's politics involved. It just means that it's not the room for me. Right. And I think that's what I'm really identifying. It's like... I'm not saying that, like, those mics or whatever aren't allowed to happen. People can do whatever the fuck they want. But I can choose to remove myself from those situations. Right. And I can recommend other comedians who I feel aligned with to remove themselves from those situations. Because I want them to feel safe and comfortable. And I want them to feel good. And I think... It's, we're on the wrong side of things to be a woman in comedy. Like, people don't want us to be successful. Like, obviously, there are a lot of people who do. And... It really does come down to, like, intrinsically wanting to do this. And I do. Like, I'm a fucking dreamer. And I'm an eternal optimist. And I'm doing this because I love making people laugh. But mm-hmm. I also, like, have a vision yeah. for what comedy can do. And, and for what 
the Toronto comedy scene can be. And, and if that means I need to like bust my ass to like just fucking run all of my own shows that I can have everyone on that I care about so that they do have these spaces where they can do shows where they feel good about themselves, then I'm going to do that. And that's great. Yes. And I'll end up profiting from it too because like the community needs it. Mm-hmm. But it also is about then like understanding and figuring out my own boundaries of what mm-hmm. I want to do. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of newer comedians who need stage time. And so they'll, they'll do shows wherever. And there are a lot, we were talking about this right. earlier, there's a lot of producers right. that'll run shows and not pay their comics, even yep. though they're charging tickets like money at the door. Which, a word on that, comics notice, right? Yeah, And it, yeah. it feels super disrespectful. And the thing is, like, at least have the fucking huevos to tell me that I'm not being paid. Yeah. Rather than me kind of approaching the show being like, there's a poster, it says you're charging $15, whatever, and I'm not being paid anything. And it's just like, I you can't run the show without us being there. And of course, like we want to be on the show, but at the same time, at a certain point, you hone these jokes. You've been working on them for years. Like you should be compensated. Even if it was someone just like handed me a $5 bill like that, like it still just shows that they've thought of that at all. Instead of just being like, I'm just gonna (laughs) winner takes all this shit, you know? Yeah. And there's obviously a gap in the community. And there's Mm -hmm. like, I think that there were a lot of people who were allowed to run shows and not pay people for a long time. And there's a very exploitative part of the industry that we have to be really cognizant of. And again, it's like trying to run shows that people will come to so that like I can charge money and I can pay the comics what I think they're worth and I can still make money so I can keep promoting them and do the marketing and everything for it. It's like, there's got to be middle ground. But at the end of the day, it's like, if there's going to get to a point where if you're only doing shows where you're not getting paid, it's obviously not sustainable. So we have to figure out a solution. Someone's getting paid if yeah. people are paying. <laughs> yeah. And I also think like there's so many free comedy shows in Toronto that shouldn't be fucking free. Right. Okay. Just like spoiler alert. It's easier to fill a room if you charge money than if you don't. And yeah. I know that seems backwards for a lot of people. I know I'm fucking brand new to the comedy scene. You don't have to take my advice. I don't care. Oh, it's true. But I've got sales experience. I've got fucking professional experience. And if someone has a little bit of skin in the game with a $10 or $15 ticket, they're significantly more likely to show up. Yeah. Because even like if it's a show is $5, you're going to get people bail. If you offer people free tickets, people are going to bail when stuff happens. Right. It's like, right. It really does come down to, like, don't run a free comedy show unless you absolutely have to. It's yes. different if it's a one-off, it's in mic, whatever. That's fine. But, like, running actual comedy shows for free is a waste of everyone's time. Yes. Because it yes. shows, it makes people think that comedy isn't worth paying for. Yes. And, and it absolutely fucking is. Because, listen, we work hard at this you, shit. Like, like, babes who you're listening, if you don't have, like, an insight into the world of uh, being a comedian, like... I spend an uncomfortable amount of time writing and workshopping jokes. And I'm new at this. Like, there are people who spend hours and hours and hours and hours all the time focusing on this and rewriting and rewriting. And it's like, this is art and it's a craft and it takes time and energy to put into and then you get on stage and you put yourself at the mercy of the crowd like this isn't easy to do it's mm-hmm. fun as fuck like oh, I love it amazing and yeah. the, like oh my god the exhilaration I get from <laughs> being on stage oh my god especially when you do really well like not better than sex because nothing really is but like better than bad mm. sex for sure I would argue it's better than sex oh girl <laughs> Not having the right sex. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But for me, it is like, I'm just really good at sex. 
<laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I, we're just literally, we're speaking from two different parts However, there was, so in, of de- the planet. in December, I had uh, a partner of mine was here from Calgary. And yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen him since pre-pandemic because he hadn't been traveling for work anymore. We're he dead. spent the night. Uh, but I had a comedy show that night, so he like came over and we got caught up, and then we fucked, and then I went and did a show at Nothing Fancy, and I fucking crushed it, and he was in the crowd too. So the the mix of like getting laid and then doing a really good set in front of oh, someone no. who just fucked me with like the energy of being fucked. He's also beautiful by a very hot oh, man. God. Oh my god, that was like literally. It was a really good nothing night. Better. Yeah, <laughs> really good. I was like, God, I love comedy. Of- <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows. There's truly nothing like being. Yeah, I mean, like I was a gymnast, which when I tell people that they're they're just sort of like, oh, that kind of makes sense with like your whatever sort of like nose to the grindstone yeah. work ethic. Mm-hmm. And it is like it is kind of a similar thing in that like you spend literally hours, months, whatever, like trying to get a certain skill, like just one skill. And like I'll, I'll be at practice for four hours doing the same thing over and over again. And so I think like doing it like prepared me for <laughs> sometimes like the treacherous monotony of spending all this time doing one joke but you just love it and you have to and you have to make that joke better and sometimes you work on it for way too long and sometimes you're like actually should have retired that shit a while ago (laughs) it was never funny why didn't you tell me it wasn't funny (laughs) ever but I mean, that's what's so great about comedians is they have that kind of slight insanity in common. Yeah. Of like, oh, you're going to spend that much time doing it. I mean, like I've told people, I've described people the schedule of like open mics and how in Chicago there's a mic where it's like, oh, yeah, I'd go there at six o'clock, let's say, try to sign up. It would be a lottery. I'd come back at seven. They'd have me wait there until eight. Then I'd get allowed in. And then like, you know, they would spin the wheel and see which comics got picked. And then I'd have to wait until the very end to see if I got picked. And let's say 10 o'clock rolls around. I just spent four hours not even getting up on stage. Like it is a ridiculous thing to do, but we just have to do it. Especially when there's days where it's like, you'll go to a mic and it's like okay you're obviously not getting paid because it's Mike and then right. you're there for four hours so you're gonna drink so it's of course like doing comedy most of the time is actively losing money like <laughs> that's I get into right, comedy right, right. to spend more money and I think that's when I do a, a, yeah. a smaller show it's like I don't I don't need to make a whole bunch of money like I, I understand what we're doing I understand that I'm fucking brand new to this like yeah. I get it I do I don't I'm not expect to make an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money but it's like Making enough money to have a drink or two. We deserve that. Again, it's just like, let me break even. (laughs) Like, again. Like, and especially because I want to support the bars that are running comedy shows. And I also, like, I like having a couple of drinks. It's who I am as a person. And it makes me fucking funnier. So it's finding that middle ground. And I think that's where it's like, if I can run a show that'll bring out enough people that I can, like, pay people enough that they can, like, have a couple of drinks and, like, they don't need to. And then, like, they still have a little bit of money to take off. Fucking awesome. Job well I'm fucking super done. Here for that. Of course, yeah. So I think one thing I really want to hammer home in this is like obviously, babes, as you've heard, like Karen and I are both really passionate about doing comedy and doing comedy that everyone can fucking laugh at and mm-hmm. have a good time at. So in order to keep doing that, we need to have more people like you come to comedy shows. Yes. So I had mentioned to Carrie before, and if any of you didn't listen to the like 2021 year in review episode, like Almost like 85% of you are women. Like, I know who I'm talking to, mm-hmm. babes, and it's mm-hmm. hot femmes. <laughs> so, yes. when we go to comedy shows, and it, Karen and I were joking earlier, like, about having too much of our set be about men being trash. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Uh, okay, continue because I have so yes. much to fucking say. <laughs> Holy shit. And, and I just think like yes, like I I will joke about men being idiots every once in a while. And I know in this episode we've talked a bit about some men in the industry that we're not like super big fans of, and that's like fine. And I, I'm not here to trash men. I'm here to have a conversation and open up a dialogue about doing things differently. And in order for me to be able to keep doing things differently, I need people to come to my shows. And in order for Carrie to do things differently, she needs people to go to these shows. And I think there are a lot of women particularly who haven't been to comedy shows or they've been to a comedy show and it's been shitty. Yeah. Because they've been offended. And like, girl, I fucking get it because I've been there too. And mm-hmm. all I want to say is I'm asking for you to give comedy a chance. And part of why I'm running, I'm trying to run more shows on weekends. Like like in February, I have two Friday night shows. And they're at 7 o'clock. Which means if you're not downtown Toronto, you can come. And it's going to be done by 9 o'clock. And you can get home by 10 if you're like out of the city. Because I do think like... This is something that I'm really passionate about. Obviously, like, if you've been listening to this podcast, like, I talk about things that I'm passionate about and I fucking take action on things that I can take action on. Mm -hmm. And one thing in 2022 that I can take action on is making an impact in the community and I fucking really want to. And that's by connecting with people like you who I know tell not only super fucking funny jokes, but jokes that match and align with what I think is important. Yeah. So, yeah. babes, come to a goddamn comedy Come to the show. show. Because it, it, it is so much fun. It's actually, like, it's almost like euphoria when you meet people and you, you see comics who really feel like they reflect how you feel and what you find is funny. And they are really, truly there to entertain and humor you. And I think, like, so many shows are not that, unfortunately. They're, I think, like, things are starting to change. But I've met, unfortunately, so many people who are just like, yeah, I don't really do comedy because, like, like writers, like, because just, like, I don't know, I don't really like the stand-up comedy culture. And it's just, like, fucking fair enough. I think, like, people need to see that other people are not okay with that. And a lot of the people that are okay with saying these horrible things are re- relying on someone laughing. Because, like, the laugh is kind of, like, your way of saying, like, yep, I agree yeah. with you. I'm on board with you and everything that you're saying, et cetera, et cetera. And if somebody just bombs over and over again, they're saying all this awful, toxic shit, eventually they will stop. Some people, it takes a long ass time, it seems like. Totally. There's some people where I'm like, you're like 10, 20 years in or yeah, something. How and are like you still somehow doing this? enough, but that means that enough people have laughed at their toxic bullshit. And that's why that that is enough information for them to decide that, oh, yeah, of course, I'm just this incredible fucking comedian. And I do believe that you, Jesse, will make an impact because can I also just say, babes, that like Jesse is like the most professional producer ever. Like, actually, like I just this occurred to me. Like, I have to talk about this. Like when you reached out to me (laughs) to like do a show, like there was so much information. It was so helpful. It was like there were actual times I was given a set time. I was told how much I was going to be paid. You you were like, you know, I've chosen you because I'm just like, you've chosen me. I've been chosen. I love that you remember the words. Okay, so babes, I put so much time and thought into this intro message. Okay, when I like when I I have my first, like, when I reach out and ask them if they want to be on a show, and I'm like, cool, I'll be back in touch with more details once it's finalized. And then I send this fucking novel that ends up having to go in two messages on Instagram because it's too it. long. It's I like, love it. Line up. It reminds them about the inclusivity of the show. And it's like, I did choose you because you don't tell these kind of jokes and all this yes, kind of stuff. Yes. And it's like, the bar is so low. <laughs> like, I literally <laughs> said, 
spend five minutes like putting together just a little bit of information that you, includes oh transparency god. and everyone's like oh my god <laughs> like honestly as someone whose love language is words of affirmation like if all I needed to do was just give comedians a modicum of respect <laughs> I would be worshipped <laughs> You are. I do worship you. Like, I literally, like, showed it to my partner, and I was just like, can you believe, like, and I, like, literally juxtaposed it with this other message from a producer, where it was like, I was about to go to a show, it was, like, in an hour, and I was like, how much time am I doing? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm oh like, my God. I'm just like, yo. Like, what, I, I just, I, and, and that's so, like, incomprehensible to me, because, like, of course, like, producing is a hustle, and it's hard, and there's a lot of annoying little things that you have to do, but, like, there's a lot that's, like, like not that difficult to do and it's just like the part where you need to promote and like figure out like what your poster is gonna look like and like all these kind of annoying like you know tedious details that you have to get into but just like fucking telling me how much time I'm doing it's not that hard to do math the show should be about an hour maybe an hour and a half depending yeah you have a head like (laughs) it's just like some people I don't get it it's it's crazy and so again like people like me notice they notice like that like okay you're telling me that I'm being paid it's this much that's what I can expect you're even buying me a drink which is so classy of you and I love that part too and that and 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 some and telling me I get a plus one all these little things where it's just like some people don't realize or like it's not a big deal or I think people are just I don't know trying to be like overly chill and like not care about anything I get that vibe from some producers for sure and Anyway, like, and I it's sometimes just, I worry about being too systems focused. Like, because no. again, like I'm in my fucking mid thirties. Like, I'm a businesswoman in a lot of ways, <laughs> and and it is. So it's like I have spreadsheets and shit, and it's like yeah. when when I do shows now, it's like I I'll send my new thing is like I'll send out a form after that's like tell me about your experience, and it's like what what are things I could do differently? Like, what was positive for you? Because I want to learn from this. Yeah, because it is like this is a business that I want to do, and I think what. Like, I'm going to keep urging you to just go to a comedy show. But also remember, if you're someone who goes to comedy shows, like, take a look at the lineup of the shows that you're supporting. Like, listen mm, to yes. the comedians yeah. you're supporting. And I'm not trying to say that, like, like don't give money to producers who book certain comics. Like, I'm not here to tell people to not spend money in comedy. I am here to tell you to be cognizant of what you're supporting, who you're supporting, and why you're supporting them. Yes, absolutely. And... Sure, if you just want, if you don't give a fuck, you just want to go and it doesn't matter to you, like, everyone has the prerogative to do whatever the fuck they want. There's a comedy show for absolutely everyone here in Toronto. If you want to go and just hear someone tell fucking homophobic jokes, there's a room for that. Like, there there really is. is. Yeah. And fucking you do you. Because at the end of the day, fucking freedom of speech and whatever, we talked a bit about, like, censorship and whatever. Yeah, you're allowed to do whatever you want. You're just not going to, I'm not going to be there for it. Mm -hmm. And, And I know that I am in... A place of privilege that I can like turn down shows and choose to not book shows with people who I don't align with because I'll find money in other places and that's yeah, like yeah that's really what it comes down to and I think if if you're a comedian and you're doing shows with people that you don't want to do shows with because you feel like you don't have any other options please reach out to me mm-hmm. <laughs> like because there are a lot of really fucking incredible people in this city like I can tell you 20 different producers that you should do shows with. Yeah. Who are, like, I know are inclusive and fucking awesome and pay their comics and treat them with respect. Yeah. And it is, like, there's so much comedy happening in Toronto. You can go to a comedy show every single night when things open up if you'd like to. Just be cognizant of where you're spending your money, 
who you're supporting and Mm -hmm. the enabling of monsters and like laughing at jokes that are really really problematic it's gonna have an impact right and I just think it's obviously like people listening to this like you're not the problem (laughs) but maybe you know someone who is yeah and then you can tell that person that and listen like if you like so I'm just gonna say it again like all these guys especially white men like do feel like it is within their power to say all these horrible shitty things but at the end of the day if there's no one to listen to them like that's really like the bloodline of all this shit right and so like if you let's say went to a show where it was all white men on the lineup and you personally went up to the MC or went up to a producer or whatever and said hey listen it would have been really awesome to see a woman on the lineup that like they will hear that louder than a comic will because like I said we need you to be there we don't need I mean we need the comics there but the comics will be there trust me (laughs) we'll show up but like for for you to say that like you have so much power and I know it's it's very confrontational it's a little bit intimidating but it's just you'll find that there are still so many shows where it's like there's absolutely no diversity of any type in, in the material, in how people present themselves, and obviously that's very disheartening, and people should know that that's not what people want to see anymore. Yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Like, that's really, like, that's what it comes down to, and we'll kind of wrap up this topic around this, because we're going over time, and again, I could talk to you for another hour, which I <laughs> I'm like, how long have we been? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. you already, okay. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. this is good conversation <laughs> when we get lost in it. And obviously, Carrie, like, you and I are so fucking aligned, and I'm so glad that we met, because, like, when I'm curating my group of people that I do feel, like, are moving the industry in the right way, and, like, I'm passionate about impacting the industry. Like, it's like, I decided to get into comedy a little later than a lot of other people do, and I fucking quit my job, so I have more time to do this. That's incredible. And I'm obviously not doing this full-time. I'm, like, I have a part-time job I'm interviewing for right now, but... I am like carving out time to make an impact. And yes. I want to look back a year from now and be like, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Like people noticed a shift. Yeah. And it's going to take time and that's fucking fine. But we obviously can't do it on our own. And babes, go to a goddamn comedy show. And I mean that with love. Like if you're nervous to go to a comedy show, if you don't know where to start, like if you're not in Toronto, that's okay. Like please reach out. I can give you so many resources for different comedy shows to go to all over Ontario, all over Canada, fucking all over North America. Like we can connect you with the right people if you do want to check out what the industry is all about. Obviously, if you've been listening to this podcast for more than a minute, there's comedy (laughs) happening. Okay. Like I've had fucking 15, 20 comedians on the show now. Like this is a pillar of this podcast because it's a pillar of my life. And I want to work really, really hard to keep amplifying fucking amazing comedians who tell really smart clever and funny jokes that don't happen to be at the expense of minorities it's yeah like really what it comes down to rocket science babe. yeah uh carrie this was so fucking great it was great oh my god i can't believe we've been talking for an hour i know it's ridiculous. thank you so much for being on the podcast <laughs> yeah. this is awesome oh my god. So uh fun. definitely make sure you're finding carrie on instagram at carrie g-e johnson again k-a-r-i-g-e-j-o-h-n-s-o-n uh, also, she's on Medium. So tell us a little bit about Medium. Uh, you can yeah. find Carrie on Medium at Carrie G.E. Johnson, Johnson. So same as her Instagram. Carrie G.E. Johnson dot medium dot com. What are some things that you're writing about? Yeah. So I'm just, it's a lot of um, sort of like satirical, absurdist articles. So I have this article up. It's like a flack flash fiction thing about Amazon and my hatred of Amazon. <laughs> and um, I also have like this this work up about being racially ambiguous. And so it's like there's all these different publications that operate through Medium that basically, you know, you can 
put out really like absurdist, funny, comedic material. They're all really short. It's like like you know two to four minute reads so they're really fun I'm trying to make more of them trying to find like other footings and other like comedic things that are outside of stand-up so please check it out and if you're there I'll there'll be like other links to other work that I'm on that's outside of medium too so thank you I'll make sure to have that in the liner notes too so just check the information wherever you're listening to this and that info will be there along with how to find Carrie uh, this is fucking great. Thanks again for being yeah, on the pod. So fun. Wonderful time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Amazing. Babes, thanks so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Your Place or Mine. I'm your host, Jesse Olson. Make sure you find me on Instagram and TikTok at Jesse underscore underscore Olson. Like new thing on TikTok is being a cougar. So take a look at that <laughs> if you're a thirsty young boy. Um, don't forget you can find out more information about both the podcast and my comedy at www.jessieolsoncomedy.com. Again, we have three amazing amazing shows coming up. Go to jessielsoncomedy.com to find out more. Thanks so much for listening, babes. I'll be back again next Sunday. <laughs>